It is wall-to-wall good news this episode. We've got good news out of Disney, good news out of Universal, good news all around. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello, and welcome to the Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he's been fighting off the call for Disney culinary delights, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Hello, everybody. Every other week, we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics in the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company as always, though. His opinions are fully his own. Henry Hall. What a week, huh? Yeah, a lot of a lot of really good news, but uh, I have to have to pour one off for my homies. Today was the last di- last episode of the uh, new DuckTales. Oh man, yeah, gone, but will not be forgotten. We just gotta hope that uh, the Darkwing Duck is is gonna be good times and carry on the torch. But yeah, it was a good run, man. It uh, it's a lot of fun. It was so good, and uh, I think it it makes it. A bitter uh, it b- makes me a bit bitter because like they're advertising a new like 100 Dalmatians show uh, at about the same time, I guess, which they may be, I guess, maybe taking over. <laughs> but it's like, is this is this 101 Dalmatian Street? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh man, that, I, think, I think they have one season done, and they're on their second season. Is that, it? Uh, I think that's what they're advertising. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's all right. It's it's uh, you know, it's okay. It, yeah, it doesn't look great to me. <laughs> it definitely is not. It would not uh, be a replacement for Ducktales for me. Yeah, it's like uh, there's something about the way that they modernize some of these shows where. It feels like way too heavy, uh, that they're leaning way too heavy on the modernization and not quite as much on on sort of what made the, you know, whatever franchise they're working on so interesting and classic. I don't know. I mean, the thing that made the DuckTales reboot so fun was it was it was that perfect balance of kind of that classic adventure and kind of teamwork. Uh, that made the original series so much fun. But yeah, it was definitely modernized. It had kind of that sleek new look. It was was just really snappy writing. It was just a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of fun. That is the word that keeps coming up in my uh, in my mind when I think about that show. It was just it was just good times all around. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it the new uh, Ducktales actually kind of caught me off guard because I think it actually even improved on the original DuckTales in that I think it hashed out more of the characters. It made the the different uh the triplets different. They each one right. more unique in of itself. So I saw they had their own personality. Yeah, so I saw each one as as unique individuals instead of just being one <laughs> one type of personality with you know the th- each one was the same but uh and then of course you had uh they introduced actually new characters along with uh you know that were also interesting and compelling so it was it it was great adventure but actually had real character development in the series uh so i think it made it appeal not only to young but old as well Anyways, that is the the one the one sad thing that I think happened, and otherwise, uh, a lot of great news and a lot of great things happening. Dude, seriously, man, when it rains, it uh, it pours. I guess it's they, they've been saving it all up for the last couple of weeks here. But with everything going on, dude, I, I just have one question for you: How excited are you for this dill pickle corn dog with the side? Of peanut butter. This is this is part of the Easter culinary delights being offered at the Disneyland Resort. I imagine it'll be a taste of or what is it? A touch of Disney. I, it's going to be uh, probably. I mean, Buena Vista Street's done, but 
It'll be uh, maybe within downtown Disney at some point. But anyway, dill pickle corn dog. It is literally, I, I sent you this image, so at least you know what I'm talking about. But for everyone that hasn't seen what this thing looks like, it is literally a hollowed out dill pickle with a, with a hot dog inside that's been deep fried. And then you have like a little side cup of creamy peanut butter. Yeah, but then also I guess that it looks like the uh, it's deep fried in something kind of maybe possibly crunchy or something because it doesn't look like a regular corn dog batter. Uh, yeah, it looks like panko or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it looks a little bit like it might be a little crunchy or something to it. It's it's very intriguing. I've never heard of of like dill pickle with ever ever with peanut butter (laughs) so it's it's kind of a weird like combination it sounds like something whenever you would hear them it would be in regards to hey somebody's having pregnant cravings (laughs) so uh i don't know i imagine also it's probably not just regular peanut butter it's probably like maybe a sweetened maybe like more sweetened peanut butter it's not really peanut butter maybe um but but it's intriguing i mean i definitely would check it out uh uh, uh, Lori was a bit uh what the (laughs) she was very like (laughs) what is that so um normal reaction it's it's very intriguing i definitely would would, (laughs) would try it for sure yeah, I want to. I want to watch you try it, man. Do you take the peanut butter and drizzle it on top, or do you dunk it? I would dunk it first, just to to yeah. check it out first. Yeah, I think that's the move. The, the only thought that I had while looking at it was like, man, you know, the idea of hot pickle juice that's been deep fried. Like, I like pickle chips. That makes sense, but it's like you know, you, you, you toss an entire pickle chip in your mouth. So if there is any kind of like juice or anything like that, it's all contained in your mouth. The idea of biting into a fried pickle hot dog, the pickle juice sounds like it might be problematic. It might be messy guessing that you're not going to get burned or anything, but uh, yeah, it just sounds a little too sloppy for me. Well, I mean, I've had um, fried pickle spears, um, and and they were fine. It is a bit kind of like something that you don't really think of because even when you get uh, fried pickles, it's usually fried pickle chips. And yeah. You don't usually see them in a uh, spears form or a form that would be a bit more uh, chunky like that. Um, yeah. I think you, you're not – you're not off though about the the juice being something you have to be mindful of because yeah you definitely could get burnt from something like that but i think also because it's been hollowed out it probably yeah. reduces that juice factor it, i believe that for sure i i also see it though collecting at the bottom of that and that last bite being being uh, maybe not my favorite bite of uh, of the mole I don't think so. I don't think it would work quite like that. Um, but yeah, we'd have to just see. Uh, I want it. We we got to find a review somewhere. Someone down there. Try it immediately. Let us know how it turns out because uh, curiosity is high. This this really, out of everything else going on, this is the hot topic. This is the question <laughs> uh, that that I have on my mind right now. What? is the deal what's the what's the what's the eating experience like because i don't know i'm trying to wrap my mind about, uh, around it it's not it's just not happening but but we'll see we'll see maybe uh maybe we'll get that review soon i don't know yeah i mean i i'm, I'm sure it's probably not bad because you know they're going they're not going to put anything out there that they think is not going to sell uh yeah. so that would be too risky, you know, and especially at this time, you know, of like after like Disney being closed for so long, they're not <laughs> yeah. going to risk not selling something. So, yeah, but I was thinking, though, man, it, it could just be that, uh, you know, things have been closed so long that that the culinary team at Disneyland is just like they've been thinking 
way too long about crazy stuff that they could put together. Like this is this is just maybe this is just the process uh, of them overthinking stuff, but uh, but maybe not. I mean, I think it's I think that it's less of a concern or less of a risk of it being bad and more of a risk of that. Uh, you know, you only get a few bites into it before you're kind of over it. Like, I feel like it's one of those things. It's like a novelty item for sure that certainly the first couple bites might be good, but then there, like, it's just, again, there's a lot going on there that it just might be something that by the time you get maybe halfway, maybe even before that, you're kind of like, all right, I get it. I get it. I don't know if this is something I want to finish, but to be fair, I mean, most people have had a hot dog and they've had it with relish. It's it's fairly similar idea uh, when you think about it, but Uh, it is again, it's, it it is like eating, uh, it is eating like a relish in a bun or a fried relish with a little bit of hot dog. You know what I mean? Like the relish is the garnish. I feel like here the hot dog is more the garnish. Yeah, but I think in this case too, the relish is not going to be as bitter as you know, like it's funny cuz considering how much I love pickles, I really don't like relish. And this is this is finally a relish I think I could get behind. <laughs> Somebody send us one of these pickles these these deep fried dill pickle corn dogs make sure to include that side of peanut butter send it up here to the bay area i want to i want the review directly from henry (laughs) i won't trust anybody else right now (laughs) i don't know if nothing else you know what mission accomplished in that it is a headline grabber it's the first thing we're talking about really uh once we're getting into it and so you know you, you can't look away that's so, you know, you got to give it to, you got to give them credit that way. It's a PR generator. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you, you aren't necessarily wrong in thinking that those people in that off time have really been thinking up some crazy things, but they may be crazy, brilliant things. That's true. That's definitely true. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I, I, I will, uh, I, you know. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm open. I'm open to surprise, to shock and awe. Uh, but yeah, man, there is so so much to be excited about since uh, since the last time we talked, dude. I mean, we were just talking about the sweet treats at the Disneyland Resort, so we can we can continue going through on culinary delights because certainly that is a major thing going on at all the theme parks going on down in SoCal right now. So first off, we've got A Touch of Disney, which is starting up this Thursday. And of course, this is that replacement, the the, the kind of um, plus up, if you will, of Buena Vista Street, which had a pretty solid four-month run. Um, of course, this will be a ticketed event, whereas Buena Vista Street, you could just kind of walk on and, and hang out. But Two weeks ago when this was announced, we, uh, if you remember, Henry, we felt like this was going to be a hot ticket. And not very surprisingly, uh, the event sold out pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. I think it was within a couple of hours. All tickets were gone. Disney responded with uh, to that overwhelming popularity with uh, releasing more tickets and extending the event by two weeks. And that also immediately sold out. And uh, and so now the event is officially running through April 19th. But Henry, the question I have for you is, what is more surprising, the overwhelming demand for, uh, for a touch of Disney or the array of technical difficulties that people experienced when they were trying to get their reservation? Uh, I don't think either one <laughs> surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, apparently the, the, the word from everyone that was trying to get in was that it was, it was pretty rough. People were being told there were no tickets left. They were out of the queue. They were in the queue. They were getting dropped. Uh, you know, it's one of these things, man. Like it seems like anytime there's a high demand, digital cue for any kind of Disney experience, it's just going to be a total, a total crapshoot. It's going to be just a nightmare. 
you know, I, you know, I, I shouldn't say something like, I don't know. It, it doesn't surprise me in that. Careful, careful. Don't fly too close to the sun here. Henry. I think, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me that I think they purposely like cut their numbers short so that they get this high demand and cause like the buzz to be, Oh, it's selling out just so that they can come back and it make it even more popular and then open it up for more. It's just uh, something, <laughs> the machine that they just, they've got to kind of you know, get people just like so riled up and frustrated with the system just so they get that extra buzz and excitement in and uh, it works in their favor. But, you know, it, it's not something good for the fans as far as for people, at least with like, high blood pressure and all that <laughs> trying to get through. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it, I don't know. I mean, we've, uh, we've definitely uh, kind of griped about a lot of the processes at Disney parks that are just like a total pain and like kind of a head scratcher from a customer experience perspective. Right. So this was the same thing for, uh, for, you know, um, getting reservations for Disney world. It was like, the uh, the pink castle was just like people were waiting on it forever and having issues logging in and it just being unclear what the overall process is when you know Disney World reopened initially after the announcement had been made about uh, about Splash Mountain being rethemed there were all those scalpers just like taking 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 tons of uh, tons of merchandise that they could then resell for uh, massive quantities. Uh, massive quantities of merch for just large amounts of money. Uh, same thing for Galaxy's Edge. It was a big kind of like uh, cluster. So, you know, and and uh, merch, the, the, the kind of crazy limited edition merch is not my kind of a thing, but I've definitely heard a lot of people complaining about similar issues with Shop Disney where it's just like a total crapshoot when uh, when you're trying to get a high demand item. So it just seems like it's one of these things, man, where like there's very, I guess, little incentive other than for people to not be as frustrated about it. But, uh, but I mean, people just keep coming back for it, right? Like we know that when Disneyland eventually does open for reservations and there's a digital queue that it's going to be complete madness, and it's going to be a complete cluster. And all of these same issues that people keep having are going to be had uh, with that system. And it'll, it's just is what it is, right? And people are going to be mad and complain. But every time we're, we're going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I think we've, we've grown accustomed to um, as far as dealing with Disney and, and, and technical difficulties. And I think there's really no incentive for them to, I mean, I wouldn't say that they're not trying to improve the system, but I think to a certain point, they don't really have to, you know, we'll put yeah. up with it. Uh, so it's, you know, I think it is what it is, but they will improve it. But, it will always fall short for us, I think. So. Sure. And it's just like, there's, there is only so much that you can do, especially for an event like this, where, I mean, no doubt the event, uh, the event um, anticipation and the amount of people trying to cluster up and, uh, and slam through that system to, to get reservations was through the roof. So, you know, uh, if nothing else, I mean, it, you know, people just want to get back into these parks and so this is just another example of just how how uh, how hungry people have gotten. I guess literally in this case, since this is a food festival, to be uh, to be back in these parks. But uh, you know, unfortunately, we're not going. We're up in uh, we're up in NorCal, so not exactly an easy hop, skip, and a jump for us to go down there. But man, I, I am excited to start reading some of these reports from people and seeing some of the videos and vlogs. Because uh, you know it's going to be awesome. It's going to look great, and it's going to be. I want to see just uh, you know just people back in these parks. Even if I'm living vicariously, I just I just want to see it, Henry. Yeah, we may have a friend who might have got in because yeah. he seems to spend a lot of time down there. Uh, oh yeah. So 
I hope so. I hope some of our friends down there got in because, uh, because yeah, it, uh, it looks awesome. I mean, the event sounds like it's going to be really good times, especially if you are someone that just likes to hang out around the parks and aren't too bummed out that there aren't rides going on because, uh, you know, I think there is like, there's little that sounds better right now than hanging out around Pixar pier, just with like a Dole whip. I don't know what else. Some bangle barbecue skewers, corn dog. It just all sounds good, man. I just want to be back. Yeah. So yeah, I'm happy to live vicariously. I'm happy to hear all the great stuff. I'm sure people are going to go and they're going to have a blast. So, uh, so good times for them for sure, but not to be outdone or at least not to have the wind completely taken out of their sails. Uh, Universal Studios Hollywood also made good on their hint that they would also be doing something similar. Uh, and so they officially announced a taste of Universal. And that event actually began last Friday. And for the most part, it seems to be almost uh, a one-for-one um, I don't want to say copy, but let's say it was modeled after that Taste of Knott's Food Festival at Knott's Berry Farm later last year. Uh, but the areas that are open, those include Springfield, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. There, uh, there's a new Minion Cafe. They have all sorts of uh, they have all sorts of stuff themed after Minions and Despicable Me. Uh, and then there is Hollywood and Dine. So this event is running through most Fridays through Sundays, 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. That cost is $50. So that is uh, comparable to the cost after that $25 food voucher that um, that a, a touch of Disney is running. But the $50 fee at Taste of Universal does include five menu items for your of your choice. So that pretty much covers your your food. So nothing too surprising with that announcement, but uh, you know, good times. Gates are open, yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually looked at some of the food items and there was I think there's enough there for me that I would I'd be satisfied with going and hanging out. And I just don't think it's as as is a night a place that I necessarily want I could spend as much time hanging out uh around but I probably I mean it's cheaper too so I mean it's just like kind of what we were thinking about last time when we were talking about this where it's like you know uh I think people are just so kind of pent up they've been living at home for so long They've been wanting to get back into theme parks. I mean, also, geographically, Universal is in a much different area of that kind of greater Los Angeles area than Anaheim is. So if you are, like, in L.A. proper, it's much easier, uh, potentially, to just hop over to Universal than it is to go all the way down to Anaheim. So perhaps that that might play a little bit into it. And, yeah, to your point, it's cheaper, too. That $50 pretty much covers you in terms of most of the food that you're probably going to eat anyway. So yeah, not bad. So, I mean, you don't get one, maybe you get the other. <laughs> yeah. Or just, I mean, you know, exactly, exactly. So certainly, uh, you know, if you didn't get a touch of Disney, you can make your way over to universal and there'll be something there for you. So that'll be good times. It's not a bad consolation prize. Head over, get one of those massive donuts, right? Donut and some, uh, some butterbeer. Oh, if and if you're Henry, warm butterbeer, am I right? Yeah, butterbeer's, well, butterbeer's pretty much good in either way, but uh, that would be preferred for me. Well, and, uh, and so since we're touching on Universal here, we've actually also have a quick update on Epic Universe, which is, of course, Universal Orlando's upcoming third park. The last we heard about how things were going over there. All construction had been put on hold indefinitely due to the COVID pandemic. There were a bunch of images and pictures that people had posted over of the uh, construction site, and uh, it was looking pretty empty. Not much had uh, been going on. So people were speculating maybe it was completely abandoned. It wouldn't be the first time that Universal had uh, 
had done something like that, had walked away from a project before it had really started. But uh, but luckily, that is not the case here because Comcast CEO Brian Roberts recently announced that construction on the site is slowly beginning to ramp up. It's going to take them a little bit of time to go back to 100% here. But, uh, but then according to Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings, the new targeted opening date is now early 2025. So it's a two-year delay. Initially, it was going to be 2023. So man, maybe, uh, you know, maybe some of these rides like the Tron Coaster and... Uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Rewind are going to be actually finally open by then. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So so that'll be good times. I mean, again, we've talked about it. That is uh, that is Super Nintendo World right there. So the time that you know, if you're if you're going to Orlando and interested in checking out Super Nintendo World, early 2025 is what it's looking like. So it'll be a little while. Sounds like uh, Universal Studios Hollywood may actually have, uh, finally have something that is a little bit of a one-up on Orlando here. Well, I always thought of of uh, Universal's Hollywood as being more, you're getting more of an actual like movie experience and and theme park is part of that experience whereas orlando's is more theme park than actual movie studio experience that's so, true i mean that's the chances true. of you actually seeing a movie star uh like when you're on the tram is is definitely a lot you know more likely than if you are at orlando florida if you'll see a movie star or not yeah Fair enough. And then so we have Disney World, which also had a couple of significant updates for their upcoming 50th anniversary celebration. We uh, First up, we had Remy's Ratatouille Adventure over at Epcot. That seemingly has been done for a while, but uh, but it's looking like it's official now that along with that entire Paris section within the France Pavilion, uh, that'll all be opening on October 1st, which is technically the first day of that 50th anniversary celebration. So it seems like initially, you know, Tron and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, that coaster, those were going to be kind of the big new hotness rides that were uh, that were really going to be headlining the 50th. Those, it sounds like, you know, not going to be the case for sure. Really looking like those are delayed. So Remy's Ratatouille Adventure slots right in here. Uh, so yeah, that'll be, that'll be that they'll actually have something new that they'll be able to unveil. So that'll be good times. And then we also got some concrete details for this upcoming Disney magic mobile service. And, uh, and just as a, as a reminder for anyone that has forgotten because time has no meaning still, um, this is the service that incorporates much of that magic band functionality into a smart phone or smartwatch apps since uh, since magic bands are no longer complimentary if you're staying on site. Um, we do know still we do know now that that the service is going to launch in phases with phase one rolling out sometime later this year. Still don't know the full scope of those features, but uh, we do know that you'll be able to create some kind of magic mobile pass in the current my Disney experience app. Uh, that pass will live in your device's digital wallet, and then you just kind of use your either watch or phone as a uh, as you would your your Magic Band. So, um, kind of a a complementary option for those that don't want to now pay for Magic Band. But uh, but what do you think, Henry? Uh, next time that you eventually do make your way over to uh, Magic Kingdom or Epcot or anywhere any of those Disney World parks. Um, you're going to be using the system, or you think you're gonna you're just gonna pony up for for a magic band? Magic band all the way. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, there's nothing like to take you take yourself out of the immersion of being on vacation than to like whip out your phone and stuff. <laughs> it's like I want to be able to, you know, I want the magic band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we. Uh, at Disneyland, we've had 
elements of it sounds like what's going to be incorporated into Magic Mobile Pass um, and elements of Magic Band, even though we don't have Magic Bands in California. Um, we've had a lot of that functionality built into the Disney app, specifically like Fast Pass, digital Fast Pass functionality has been built into the pay for service, uh, the Max Pass. And usually I'm a big fan of that, but I got to tell you, man, it is, you cannot uh, go more than a few uses before you usually get stuck behind somebody or family or people that are either confused how the system works or, you know, uh, are struggling to try to pull up their passes or their phone brightness isn't bright enough or, you know, they're out of battery or or whatever. It is always, it just seems like it's unavoidable that you're going to run into people ahead of you that are struggling. Usually they only have a couple of scanners, so you're just, you're just kind of stuck waiting, which, uh, you know, is not, not what you'd want to be doing at a theme park where you're really trying to get onto that ride, especially when you have a fast pass. So, um, so we'll see. I, I imagine the problem won't be much better at Disney world, especially because this is going to be a brand new system. So we'll see. I, I, I tend to agree with you that, yeah, I, uh, I think, I think especially because it's like, it's, uh, the magic bands aren't, they're not making them like crazy expensive. If you go for those kind of bland single color, uh, magic bands that they were giving out complimentary before, I think it's only $5 if you order them before your arrival. So it's not too crazy. And yeah, it's just, you know, it saves you the hassle of having to pick up your phone. But yeah, I, I imagine no matter what, uh, those those lanes are going to be a little bit clogged as people are trying to fumble through their app and figure out the functionality and, and kind of work through the kinks, unfortunately. Yeah, because there's always that. I mean, there's the, you say the, the person who doesn't have their, doesn't know what they're doing, but there's also just the person who, who knows what they're doing, but they didn't have their phone out you know, in time. And then it takes a while for the app to boot up. And then they also are the one that's holding like five people's fast passes on their phone. So it's like scan one. Oh, it's not scanning. (laughs) And then they, it takes them forever to get to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And it's just, Oh man, that just is just nightmares all over. Whereas with the magic band, you got it all out right there. You don't have to worry about like somebody like, Hey, you need to pull out your phone, you know, no, you just scan the magic band. I mean, just use that. <laughs> it's also part of like a yeah. vacation. It's something that, uh, you know, is, is new. It's not something you're going to use every day. It's something you just use for vacation. So. Yeah, um, it's true. It's, it's crazy to think how synonymous Disney world has become with magic band functionality. It, it, it would feel very strange. Uh, doing everything by phone, but you know, who knows? I don't know. Saving if like, if your family four, is it worth, you know, the $20 or something? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll see, but it does. Uh, I think I do think I will tell you, man, I don't know if you've, uh, you're, if, if, if this is your kind of style too, but I know that for me, if I'm, if I'm thinking about this process of like, all right, so I'm, I'm booking my vacation. I have my hotel booked. Now it's time for me to go and look for magic bands that I'm going to purchase because I've decided I'm going the magic bound uh, magic band route. I'm 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 laying down, you know, a couple bucks. Let's see what's available. The chances of me settling on the $5 super bland looking one is pretty low when I start when I start browsing and I start seeing really cool designs. And it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's like, you know, that's 15 bucks now. That's $20 now. But like, look at that. It looks so cool. This other magic band, the, the plain green one, the plain blue one, the plain red one. It's just so boring compared to these cool ones. I have a feeling, man, that's where they're going to get you. That's where they're going to get a lot of people. Like I said, myself included, is that, you know, you start scanning through it, especially you start letting your family members scan through it. And there's like that, oh, there's that cool limited edition, you know, Minnie Mouse Adventureland one that, that uh, you know, your wife or your daughter wants. And all of a sudden, just like, you know, the cool Star Wars one, the Baby Yoda one, the, you know, whatever, whatever limited edition one, it's going to be another 
10, $15 on top of uh, what you've already in your mind, at least committed to spend. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something fair to a fair assessment. Cause you know, that would definitely happen to me and, and my wife, but uh, I think there's a, a point where maybe if you do have a big family, maybe you buy ones for the kids and then the adults use the phone. You, you, maybe not everybody gets one. Maybe just the, the kids get one. Maybe just the adults get one. I mean, it, it would still f- speed things up. At least you don't have to worry about having the fast passes for your se- uh, for the kids on the phone. They just scan their, you know, their magic band, and then you just have to worry about yourselves on the phone. Still would speed things up, but uh, that well, that is true at least for your initial three fast passes. But if you want any more after that initial three, got to do it through the phone. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, at least initially it will. You're right. I think I, it's, I, I don't know how often people are are back and forth between their phones. I, I imagine that certainly power users are, but I don't know about your average family that maybe goes through it. And after their three are done, do they go back and start booking more fast passes? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. No matter what, it'll be a major change. But. Um, but who knows? Maybe they'll have some really cool functionality. I hope so. Some surprising functionality. That's what I want. I like surprises, Henry. Surprise me. Uh, as long as it's a, a surprise of good functionality. <laughs> oh, now you have me worried. Now I'm worried. <laughs> but uh, but Henry, dude, so everything that we have been talking about up until now is just child's play compared to the biggest news of them all, which is that Disneyland and Universal Studios will now be open, will now be able to open in late April, probably. Now, I know what you're saying. How exactly is this possible with large theme parks being in that yellow tier four of California's reopening guidelines? That's a good question. As part of a larger refresh of these guidelines being conducted by the state health department, theme parks specifically have been revisited. And it's been determined that they can now open in that red tier four. So assuming that that infection trend continues downward for both LA and Orange County, If they're able to hold steady for two weeks after they meet whatever that lower threshold is of infections, that will allow them to be given the okay to reopen April 1st. And now Bob Chapek, who is, of course, the CEO of Disney, released a statement tempering expectations just a little bit. He said, hey, this is great. We're able to bring back around 10,000 furloughed cast members. But it's going to take some time to get that machine turning again. So he expects that the park probably going to be reopening in sometime in late April. Now, outside of that, we don't know all that much more here. Though, with that refreshed timeline, we do have a couple of other details that we can at least expect. So we know that park capacity is going to be capped at 15%, and it's only going to be open to California residents, at least at first. Capacity after that red tier. Capacity goes up to 25% for orange and yellow. So it basically is going to be locked at 25% until we're pretty much done with this California reopen blueprint. That's pretty much where it's going to be, a quarter full. Indoor rides and attractions also must maintain that 15% capacity while anything outdoor can take on more riders as long as social distancing guidelines are followed. This one in particular, it's really confusing. (laughs) A lot of people online that I was reading about, it's still, it's not 100% clear in terms of how Disney's going to implement this. This is how I read this specific requirement. You tell me, Henry, if you read it differently. But um, but so we already know that at least initially it's going to be 15% uh, 
capacity. That's total capacity of Disneyland, which is something like, I don't know what, like 80,000 or something like that. It's a lot of people, obviously. So it's 15% of their total capacity there. And you have indoor rides, which are also at 15% capacity. So whatever the capacity is for the ride, it's going to be operating at 15%. Uh, And then outdoor rides, obviously, again, like as long as it's socially distanced approved, as long as everyone's staying six feet apart, it's okay if the ride capacity is over 15%. You know, like on Dumbo, for instance, maybe you'll be able to have more people on, on, uh, you know, uh, Radiator Springs Racers. You could probably exceed 15% because everybody is so spaced out. I'm assuming. I, I, I have no idea if that's actually possible. But anyway, that's how I'm reading it. Is that is that pretty much how you were reading it too, Henry? I don't know if I'd say it's it's kind of a weird thing, the, the, the wording, like you said. I think I'm thinking that when they say like 15%, Maybe uh, they may be considering the queue of that because you're kind of limiting the number of riders. I mean, there's that, that's the only way you could really limit the number of riders is through, you know, limiting the number of people in the actual queue. That's true. And perhaps, yeah, maybe we'll start to see more use of that virtual queue that, uh, that we've seen teased for Disneyland. It's definitely true. They could do it through, um, they could do it through queue management. They could also just do it like, I mean, again, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of pulling out numbers randomly here. But like, um, you know, let's say for a ride like Peter Pan, if uh, you know, maybe they're only running like one, one, uh, one kind of ride vehicle every like four, then you could be managing it that way. It's still like to your point you're going to have a massive queue at that at that point. So it, you're right. It's really confusing to see exactly how they're going to implement it. We'll have to hear back from Disney in terms of what their plan is because yeah, they're going to have to get creative especially with uh with some of these rides that tend to kind of cluster up like Peter Pan where that ride is always just insane anyway. Or at least the uh the queue for that ride, it's always kind of like extending all over the place. So how do you manage that? I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, I think it's just like, because uh, it's weird because you, when you consider the rides itself, once you're actually on the ride, you're kind of distanced from other people other than the people in the actual ride with you. So the only place where like you really would benefit from like minimizing the key, uh, amount of people would be actually in the queue. And I, I would imagine they may have people like, like stationed at the, at the queue to kind of like account for like how many people are in the queue maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's definitely possible. I, I think the way specifically something about indoor, it might be because of the spread. It might be because outdoor, is uh I don't know you know they've they've identified that outdoor is less of a risk than indoor yeah. so they want kind of yeah less uh, clusters because I don't know how many I mean I guess there are indoor queues there definitely are but uh, but yeah we'll see like I said clearly uh, more clarity needed by uh, by Disney on that but um, but yeah I'm sure I'm sure that's all stuff that they're trying to think through now. Uh, or maybe they've already thought it through and it's just a matter of making that announcement. So, uh, but yeah, we also have a few other details that we have confirmed, at least from Disney's side. So obviously we're still going to have the same processes and health and safety guidelines that we've seen at all these other Disney parks that have already reopened. So we're going to get park pass reservations. We're going to get masks. We're going to get social distancing. We're going to get temperature checks, all that good stuff. We also know that Avengers Campus will not be opening alongside the parks. Not a huge surprise, considering that uh, I'm sure they don't want to make their big splash for their super expensive, exciting uh, new land when there's only 15% capacity that are allowed to uh, to be there and experience it. And it's it's going to be very difficult. And and only people in California could see it anyway right yeah, now. Yeah, just imagine 15% um, of capacity, all at <laughs> Avengers Campus. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Avengers Gambus is slammed. But then, like, yeah, how do you handle Spider-Man? Oh, geez, that's like an entire indoor experience. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, Fast Pass, Max Pass, Magic Morning, Extra Magic Hour. Those are also all not happening. So that's consistent with everything that was going on at Disney World. Um, And then initially it was expected that there would not be any indoor dining. However, the area, uh, the surrounding area that the park is located in has met the threshold to once again allow indoor dining. So be interesting to see, will they be allowing indoor dining now? Will they keep it all outdoor? I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to see with that. Again, that's a that's a Disney call. Are they going to be super safe about things or are they going to just ride with uh, with whatever they're allowed to ride with? Um, and then also, of course, worth noting here, Universal Hollywood is also ramping up towards reopening soon, as you would imagine. They, uh, they recently did send out a message to annual pass holders to hype them up over an announcement that is coming soon. So I, I imagine, uh, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have to, we're going to have park openings any day. Now we're going to get those announcements. Uh, one place that we did get an announcement for California's great event, uh, great America in Santa Clara, May 22nd is opening. So that's a local theme park in, uh, in Northern California that we can all go to instead. Henry, how, how fun is that? <laughs> Um, but man, yeah, that is, that is, uh, just, a just a ton of really good news, exciting news. The big question that I have, Henry, uh, while going through all of this, I mean, I got lots of questions, but the one that kept on kind of nibbling in the back of my head through all of this was just how much a single ticket is going to cost. Well, I, I think? think it's probably going to still at least stay the same for now. Um, you think so? You think it's not going to open up with, uh, with an increase? I don't price. think so. I mean, cause it's one of those things where, um, more than likely they'll probably do like, uh, uh, magic kingdom did. And a lot of things may not actually be open. Uh, especially when they, right. Yeah. When that's they very first true. Open up. So, uh, I think, you know, you're charging a full price for a, uh, a not a full, uh, you know, experience that might cause issue with people. I don't know. It's yeah. one of those things where you, they could push it and and charge more, but I think it would it would more hurt them. I mean, I think it it would be something people would pay. But they would not get good press out of it. They they would cause a lot of ill will towards them, uh, right. especially because considering uh, the state of a lot of people's money situation. Um, so I think it would be it would go it would go over better if they don't change the price. That being said. Everything's up in the air at this point, so they could raise it, but I, I would think that they wouldn't. I just don't think they would have as much stuff open for sure, especially considering they're only going to have 15% of people. So uh, that may actually answer your question as far as will they have indoor dining and they may not open up the indoor dining stuff just because that's going to be your pricier uh areas but also it'll be uh you know more cost effective because you don't have to have as many people there Uh, i don't know at this point it's it's you know you know i keep doubting things in this time (laughs) and i keep becoming wrong just because you know you never know (laughs) there's just there's just too know. many like factors that you know to try and like you know figure these things out ahead of time that we've never had to deal with before. So yeah, very yeah. true. So uh, so yeah, I guess it depends. So it, the number that I heard a lot of people 
thinking it was going to be, this was just like random people just speculating online, was like that $150 mark, which I, I think makes sense. But, you know, again, like dis- the way that Disneyland worked, they changed their pricing. If you remember, right before COVID hit uh, and everything closed down in 2020, they had just adjusted their single day park pricing. And they went from kind of, uh, you know, low season and high season pricing to tiered pricing. So it was a little bit of a mess. There were like five different price tiers, but the highest price tier, if you remember, for a single day park hopper was over $200. So do you think they will charge $200? That, and that is not increasing the price, right? That is keeping it consistent with where they had it before. And I imagine that right now demand is going to be so high. You're probably, they're not going to be allowing people to get multi-day tickets. I'd be very surprised if, if they just open it up and say like, you know, get like three or four day tickets, everybody I have to imagine they're going to tamp that down uh, as much as they possibly can, especially because it's California locals only. Yeah. So you don't have people like traveling super far distance to go. Yeah. Do it. And so, I like I said, the question is, are they going to keep it consistent? I don't think they're going to have park hopping either. That's a, that's a question that they're going to have to, to answer. So, yeah. So what was a, what was that? So yeah, it's a, it was like, what, a, that was in that $150, $140. I forget exactly what that was. Single park, single day. Yeah. I, th- I could see them doing something like, well, every day is peak now, you know, so it's, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it is, right? Like, by definition, every day is yeah. peak. I mean, that would be a way <laughs> they don't have to, like, you know, change their their pricing and, and seem like they're being underhanded. And it would just be and, – and to be fair, like you said, every day is going to be peak day because, you know, everybody who's been, like, wanting to go during a shutdown that can go, well – I can't, I'm not going to say that because there's going to be some people who will probably still hold off uh, depending on like their vaccinated status. Um, but I mean, I think there's, they're not going to have a difficult time selling tickets, selling out on tickets. Right. Uh, so totally. I imagine, yes, there's going to be something in there. Um, definitely every day is going to be peak. Uh, at least probably through to probably the rest of this year, maybe unless they can. I mean, as long as that capacity limit is in place anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Two other things that, that kind of spring into my mind. So, uh, you know, you were mentioning earlier, like they wouldn't want to, necessarily create ill will or create an environment where people feel like they're getting a raw deal um, or at least inflate ticket prices to the point that people feel like they're getting a raw deal. I would say that has not stopped them from uh, creating that feeling with many people (laughs) that, uh, you know, with many people that went to and were interested in going to Disney World. I mean, I think that's still a feeling that that is preventing a lot of people from traveling there. But if you remember, man, they were still charging full price for like a very limited experience. I mean, they're still doing that. It's a it's a bigger experience now than it was when they first opened, but there was less things open. There was, you know, very few. I mean, I guess they had cavalcades, but no kind of nighttime stuff. The hours were extremely limited compared to even where they are now. So, uh, so, and that's not even getting into the whole kind of pass holder thing that obviously won't be as much of an issue here, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's cheese, man. That was, that was a, that was the, the big prevailing kind of feedback from at least a lot of Disney world loyalists. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much that's going to stop at least, you know, this has been the way that things have been rolling, but um, maybe it's different for Disneyland, but at least for Disneyland, I don't remember if it was Chapik or if it was Ken Potrock, the uh, the president of Disneyland. There has been a lot of verbiage around how they've been taking this time 
to reimagine parts of the guest experience and really deliver uh, deliver excellence in that guest experience. And while that may certainly be the case, and while they may have certainly made of a lot of improvements, I tend to think that that almost always comes at a cost, right? Like they're not making, they're not improving the guest experience without some way charging people for it. And maybe that's not going to be the case this time around, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that either. <laughs> I don't know. I, I believe that they're improving a bunch of stuff just to, just to improve and not uh, also put that cost to the guests. Yeah. Well, one thing you can say about uh, at least about the you know cost of this initial like opening of Disneyland is that maybe it doesn't look like they're charging more, like even if they don't change their price pricing structure for this initial opening, people are still technically being overcharged because yeah, right, right, right. You know, they're, sure. they're getting a, li- they're going to get a limited experience from the initial, uh, what they would probably would actually want. So, uh, you know, so you are being overcharged, but you know, it, it's just, it's, it's again, it is the exact same thing that a lot of people were complaining about with Disney world where you're charging the same amount for less. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and again, like certainly I, I feel like, man, that's like, it's a harder pill to swallow if you're asking people to travel there, but you know, again, it's like only California residents, which, man, by the way, a lot of salty Arizona <laughs> uh, dwellers, a lot of salty Arizonans, Arizonians, Arizonans. What, what's the what's the term there? Uh, Arizona dwellers, lot of just a lot of salty people from Arizona, uh, which I get. It's it's a it's just a hop, skip and a jump, as you have uh, as you have mentioned before. So. Um, but still, yeah, so only California dwellers and certainly, you know, plenty of people from that surrounding greater Los Angeles area alone could uh, could probably keep that 15 to 25 percent capacity slammed throughout the remainder of the year without even talking about, you know, NorCal or the rest of the state. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's um, you're right. They're not going to have any problems with that. Yeah. But uh but yeah, man, it'll it, you know it's going to be wild once they open up those reservations too. I'm, I'm very curious. You're right, like park hopping. Will there be park hopping? We've talked about this before, but man, I feel like it is certainly you know will it make any difference in terms of just how crazy people are going to get and want to go? Like, of course not. But man, it really does. We're talking about diminished experience. I feel like if I only have access to one park, that feels like a diminished experience, certainly at Disneyland Resort more so than at Disney World because everything is much more separated. And I just feel like, I mean, it's to their credit, really. Like, I feel like a full Disneyland Resort experience is that park hop. Well, I think, uh, yeah, and it also depends on, like, how many rides are open and everything. So, you know, if if there's fewer rides open and fewer restaurants open, then it just it would be more incentive to park hop. They may actually do the park hop still. Um, it's just something like they do with uh, uh, how they did it in uh, Magic Kingdom where you have to wait to a certain time and then you can park hop. But, mm. you know, but. You know, it's one Man, of those things. That, you know, at like two o'clock, it's it get out of everyone's way. It's stampede. <laughs> but then it's also like you know that that cost you know that you you spend on that uh, that park hop is then it just ups that ticket even more. It's just then you're even more spending more on on a diminished experience. So I I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yes, I uh, I agree, man. It, well, let's put it this way. If it's $200 a ticket, 
if it is $200 a ticket for a single park per day, is that a deal breaker for you? You and that means you and Lori go. That's four hundred dollars you're dropping for one day. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 also you're not getting that long term thing, and so it would be kind of a special. I might consider it. I might still consider yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going for sure. <laughs> I think what um, what. Uh, yeah, it it's a little it stings a little bit thinking about like, man, I uh you know wish I had my annual pass that would uh that would be pretty sweet. I wish they hadn't shut that program down and just refunded it because, yeah, I don't know. I don't uh ever since having an annual pass as I'm as I mean as you would expect as part of the the biggest bonus is you don't think about it as like. Am I going to spend X amount of money getting into the park on a certain day? It's just like, no, I'll just go today. And it sounds good. Or when, when people are going that I like to go with, like, I'm just going to go then. So it's, it's a weird thought to be like, yeah, I'm going to drop two hundy on a single ticket. Yeah. It's, 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 it's tough because, you know, you get used to the, well, and it's not just that it's also, you're not going to be able to go just drop, and a hat and just go you're gonna have to get that reservation on top oh man i'm gonna have to fight through that system yeah it's just gonna be it's gonna be one of those things where only the people who really 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 want to go are gonna go and at that point yeah they're gonna be willing to put up whatever price the ticket's gonna be at but yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one for sure and this is that thing. I mean, you I feel like every time there's a price increase, you always hear there's always some editorial or somebody that brings up this fact of like, man, Disneyland is slowly over time becoming just like the land of the wealthy or maybe not the wealthy, but like, you know, it, it is not an amusement park built for everyone, right? Because you're talking $150 to $200 per ticket per day for a family of four, man, you know, you've, you've got to have some cash to burn there. It's not uh, all of a sudden starting to get out of reach for uh, kind of a lower middle, even middle-class family in, uh, in that part of the country. So, <clears throat> so yeah, that seems like, that seems like that always kind of comes through and it's like clearly, Disney is is not concerned about that <laughs> because they're they're not concerned about affordability because they just like people will pay. Um and you know, I mean there's a larger conversation to be had there for sure, but it, it does continue to kind of create that narrative of just like, man, not only do you have to have the time, because even for like taste of uh sorry, even for touch of Disney tickets, I mean, I I was reading people were online for like four or five hours just to get their ticket. So you have to have that time to burn, right? On a weekday, probably you have to be able to just sit at your computer in a queue and just burn that t- all that time. Plus you have to have that pocket change to, uh, to drop for tickets and then just like actually the amount of money it costs to be at Disney for the day. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's not getting any cheaper, no doubt, and uh, the clientele is certainly not uh, not getting any more. I don't know what's the word. Uh, you know, it's starting to really cater to uh, uh, a, a bigger spender more and more each year that goes by. So, well, like I said, it's uh, there's a, it's certainly not going to change. Well, there's a couple of things. You know, a lot of people didn't do a vacation last year. So that's very true. They, that's a good point. They may have saved that money that they were planning to use for a vacation for vacation this year, or, or maybe so they may have maybe a little bit money saved up. Plus, here you go. You don't have to worry about people from Arizona or out of side of California. Uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh in the queue so it, it's just it's just other california people <laughs> <laughs> henry hall making friends 
in Arizona. Uh, to be fair, I do have a lot of friends. We do have quite a few <laughs> friends, and I do have family in Arizona. So, um, <laughs> you better you better check on them after this episode airs on Wednesday. Uh, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not them; it's you. You're like, man, persona non grata. Now you're you're going to Disney. Uh, I'm, no Disney for them. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> well. That just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, you made it this far. You're hopefully enjoying the podcast. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 48 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Until then, stay healthy, everybody. Henry, you take care, big guy. Take care, man. Take care, everybody. Bye, everybody. Hey, Henry, I just got a message from your family in Arizona. They said not to call them anymore. Call them what? (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.